Hey Hawkers, it's great to be back from our break amid every Hawk training the house down and the media coverage being unusually positive. We're here to do a bit of a news recap, sift through some whispers doing the rounds and tackle a few questions from listeners. Thank you for hitting play on the first Hawk Talk podcast for 2024. My name is Nick Mason and with me as always is a man who's putting together a great pre-season. G'day Tiz. G'day mate, good to be back. It's been a little while. And I, I absolutely have had a great pre-season, pre-season being pre-summer, which just arrived. And nevertheless, you've come in sporting a tan, which is quite impressive, given the, the <laughs> weather over the, the summer lack break. Of sun. It's not been yeah. summery. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't travel, so this is all, an all-Victorian glow. I've been looking at a few of the hawkers on the list and thinking, well, they need to put a bit of size on. I've followed suit, but it's a bit of a <laughs> You're problem. You're leading the way. Yeah, no, not in the way that I'm asking them to, but <laughs> I, I don't, I, maybe the Mitch Lewis diet was a bad idea for me. <laughs> but there's some really positive news coming out of the club. Like It's, it's, it's like you need to do a, a stress test on some of these journos. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, I need to pinch myself because I'm not, not quite used to the press being this positive. But like, they can't get enough. I yeah. can't get enough of Hawthorne at the moment. Corno is just going over the top, isn't he? Like it's like, mate, you've secured Mitchell on Friday mornings. You don't need to keep this up. Like it, he's reacting like someone who nearly lost. You know, was it really that serious the pneumonia? Because he's just well, we'll get to that. He's just in love with Sammy, isn't he? Yeah, it's it's been that way for a little while, but he's really laid it on thick in this preseason. Has uh, cane corns. He gives with one hand and takes away with the other. Did you notice? He's like, geez, he's a really good coach. Given what he's coaching, you know. <laughs> well, that's just, just playing the odds, isn't it? It's knowing that you can uh, track in some Hawthorne supporters that have a bit of an axe to grind with him. And by this stage, I'd say there are quite a few. Good news this week. We finally filled that role we had in the AFLW and we picked up a very good coach, I expect. Yes, we secured the services of Daniel Webster. We appointed him as AFLW senior coach earlier this week. He has an impressive resume, I'll tell you that much, Tiz. In charge of the Brisbane Lions AFLW midfield group for the past two seasons. Uh, they've been pretty good. I don't know if you've paid attention to that, but the Brisbane Lions, pretty damn good team. Uh, that, of course, culminated in an AFLW premiership just three months ago. He's also coached the Brisbane Lions Academy and the Queensland State Academies. He has more than a decade of NEFL and state league coaching experience. Now, notably, Tiz, he coached the, the Quaffle team, Aspley, for the past five seasons and just posted back-to-back premierships. So he sounds like a real asset, doesn't he? He sounds like a winner, and, <laughs> quite literally. And it's just another uh, stepping stone in just pulling people out of Brisbane. And putting them into our AFLW stream. <laughs> exactly. We've got Bates, Bodie, and now Webster. Well, you can't ask for more because they've been enormously consistent. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, those acquisitions were a huge tick. And now Daniel Webster, by all accounts, everyone chatting about him has said, well, Hawthorne's got a, got a great find here. What a great get for the club. So uh, I back him to, to succeed. I can't wait for the season, whenever that's going to be. Uh, this is not a knock on one of Hawthorne's favourite sons, Daniel you- Harford. Yeah. 
I don't mean to, you know, cast you were aspersions. Like Daniel, oh Webster. Who's <laughs> Daniel? <laughs> well, just you know, Harford sort of jokingly pushed his case at the AGM, and yeah. it, was, it was all like, you know, a laugh here, a laugh there, and and now it's severely awkward. Well, I just thought to myself as we got further and deeper into January, I just thought, oh, they're actually going to do it. They're actually after all the the joking around, we could have Daniel Harford as our coach. I thought that doesn't. It doesn't sort of sit right with me, the lead into that. No, but look, Webster's committed because that's a big move from where he is in Queensland down to Victoria. Yeah, so, absolutely. And yeah. he seems very excited about the list. And why not? I think we're in a we're in a pretty good position, our AFLW team. Yes. Yeah, oh, it's building. I wouldn't say either of us were happy with how they played last year. No, no. But I think I look at the list and I like the pieces that are on the board now better than what we had in the first two years. It certainly reads better. Is that what you mean? Well, I, I just think it's less glaring where our deficiencies are in, say, about two or three years. I think it's building nicely. Now, tell me, how have you felt about... You've just spoken about Hawthorne's AFLW recruiting. Yeah. What do you think about St Kilda's AFL recruiting? How's that been going? This is a low blow. <laughs> I mean, this is meant to be a big positive news story and you've undermined it. No, they've done really well. I've actually thought they've taken on some very, very good players in the last I couple of I can tell years. we haven't done this for a while because I can't tell if you're joking or not. Oh, maybe I just got better at it. <laughs> <laughs> Sharpened your skills in the off-season, I see. <laughs> Come on, you've got to be all about the big rough returning to the Brown. Oh, Royal. I definitely am. I definitely yeah. am. Well, we we spoke about the. Uh, I think the intent was there yeah. late last year for Ruffy to get to Hawthorne, and he and he's finally come on board. And I I just wanted to underline that those couple of first and second round picks mm-hmm. that he was involved with St Kilda are looking magnificent. Okay, so you are being sincere after all. I couldn't tell if maybe you were knocking his, his ear at you St should, Kilda. I, I would have thought you'd be more plugged into St oh, Kilda now. <laughs> oh, that's right, yeah. My girlfriend being a Saint supporter. I think she's a fairly casual Saint supporter, mind you, but anyway. Well, you don't find many rusted on Saints, do you? But anyway. It's, um, it's a tough life. <laughs> it is a tough life. And to hang in there, it's a credit to you. So he was doing mentoring, coaching, and recently the list management in the recruiting department at St Kilda. Yeah, so he had a he had a few a few roles in his time there since his retirement in 2019. According to the club website, Jared's recent appointment will allow Mark McKenzie to have a more targeted involvement and engagement in recruiting talent through the national draft while also continuing to have the responsibility of contracting players. Rob McCartney weighed in, saying the club is committed to further enhancing the recruiting and list department by adding additional resources within the next 12 months that will strengthen our ability to deliver on our club strategy. All of that sounds like, you know, corporate speak and buzzwords. Yeah, buzz I was just saying and- um, that's a lot of words to say... Uh- <laughs> We're going to be better. <laughs> essentially, yeah. This is a strategy. We know what we're doing. Welcome, Jared, is essentially the takeaway from <laughs> Without all of that. mentioning anybody. <laughs> now, um, so what, what? what's he going to do, Ruffy? Like, obviously, everyone knows him in AFL circles. Big personality on the man, but also fearsome, you know. <laughs> He's not going to... So intimidation tactics are going to win people over to our list? Is that... It's, but he's got that manner about him where he's he can lean back and still yeah. hit you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, the obvious attraction is the resume. Like, he was a greatly successful player. You don't just think that there's a kid, 18-year-old kid, 
And uh, Ruffy walks in, picks him up, slam tackles him, <laughs> gives him the old Dan Hannabury. <laughs> and then they pull out the stopwatch and see how long it takes the kid to recover. <laughs> if he recovers in a reasonable amount of time, all right, well, that kid, he goes through to the second round. That kid's just kipped up, so we'll take him. <laughs> immediate recovery. <laughs> CJ style. Yeah, no, I think I think it is a good get. I think on reputation alone as a player, I think his resume is obviously outstanding. But then clearly he's been in St Kilda's system for a number of years. Uh, you know, incidentally, when this was announced, I think the AFL, or was it Fox maybe, they, they published a list of free agents. You know, the, the players to watch at the, at the end of this year, the end of this season. I thought to myself, well... They're the guys that Ruffy's going to be speaking to. Whatever our targets are going to be, mind you. I didn't see that many that jumped out at me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not the greatest list. We're going to have to put together a couple of packages, don't you think? Yeah, look, we still need that key position defender. And as I was going through the list, I thought, yeah, no, nah, it's going to have to wait, unfortunately. There's still a blank spot here, isn't oh, it? Jeez, the segue. There's no <laughs> rust about this podcast. To tell you what, you've come back in fine form. You want to talk about James Blank? Signed in the blank spot. And uh, he's on list until the end of 2026. That's right. The website reported it is 24 games to date. Can you believe James Blank has played 24 games? No. Yeah, it's old, isn't it? What if I told you Uh (laughs) that Denver Granger Barras has played almost 30? The Uh, the exact number is... I would definitely believe that. (laughs) The number, the exact number escapes me. I think it's 27 or 28. There's players you watch, though. Mm. You don't watch James Blank. Yeah, sometimes you watch DGB, he attracts the eye. I would, I would say I watch Blank more closely than, than DGB personally. Really? Yeah. Yep. I find Blank go, almost like Hardwick goes about his business and, you know, unless there's an uncommon error, I won't really notice. Yeah, okay. Well, I guess that's fair enough. I suppose I watch him in the sense that if Blank's not doing well, then we're kind of stuffed because he's a certain type of player that we have no understudy for at the moment yeah and uh so it's a great thing that we secured until the end of 2026 uh, it's all right don't worry we've got gunston he can go back I, I actually saw gunston in some of the uh the training footage yeah yeah behind the ball that's well in the back pockets i thought jeez what is going on and then there's another report that says he kicked five goals i'm like okay well gunston's gonna have an interesting year mark isn't williams he? style in defense <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wanted to bring up Hardwick, and I wanted to bring up Gunners and and and, and Blank and their and our backline and, and, and all their friends. You know how, how is that? How are they trying to manage Hardwick in that forward line? Is it because there's a chance of him leaving the club? Is that why they're doing it? I've got to be perfectly honest. I didn't ever consider that. Because I don't. I don't think there is. I, I think there's competition for spots all over the ground at the moment. But it is odd because Hardwick is one of the dependables that you would pick first. Yes. Like, I, 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 heading into this, prior to all the training reports and all the stuff that we've read and heard, Hardwick is, without a doubt, in the back line. Mm-hmm. Don't even consider him in calculations, and certainly not with the kind of recruits that we had. And yet, there he is. He's now jostling for a spot. And he is, because that forward line is now... A lot of guys missing games. Are we going to be playing Frost on smaller opponents and just backing him? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I I don't know. I'm torn because I think Hardwick as a forward has potential, but it's so he's so important and so reliable as a defender. How often does Hardwick get beaten? 
like where you could say he had an absolute shocker. It never happens, does it? No, not really. No, no. The- and he's very good at. And it's not just because he's blanketing a player. He's very good at getting to the contest mm-hmm. and, and leaving his man. The scope of possibilities when mentioning Blake Hardwick after a match is he was superb mm. and he completely locked down his opponent or, yeah, he was a contributor and it never goes worse than that. So what you're telling me is there's a lot of small forwards seeking. Thank goodness yeah. they've moved Blake forward. I, I think it's a huge let off and I'm curious to know what the thinking is behind it because I, well, I imagine they want more... They, they want to really begin to maximise our defensive pressure and, and keep the ball locked in there. But I also think that we had we have players to do that. It didn't necessitate robbing Hardwick from the back line. Um, and it does seem to be a thing they're committing to. This is not some experiment because they're, they're but doing... But this is one of those things. This can be a coach killer because, you know, you're sitting there and you know you've got someone that can absolutely destroy that little prick of a small forward who's already kicked three and it's only half time. Yeah. But do you keep your structure and keep Blake Hardwick forward? Or do you go, listen, Blake, I think today we might let you go to him because he's red hot. It's nice to have that flexibility, isn't it? But you want to make the right call and not have to pull that lever mid-match where the guy's already kicked three. I I like that we have a guy that can play both ends of the ground, but I know where I'd be starting him. That's for sure. I wouldn't. But you know what? I'm not Sam Mitchell and never will be. <laughs> no, you're, not, that you're not a acumen. genius coach. No, so. exactly right. I do not have the praise and admiration and It's a fascinating look into how they want to structure that forward line. And indeed what they want to do with the back line. We'll get to the defenders now because we've got at least one missing. Our second year hawk, Bailey McDonald, is set for a stint on the sidelines due to bone stress in his femur. McDonald reported experiencing discomfort in his leg following a training session late last month before scans went on to reveal the ex- extent of the damage. So disappointing stuff for young Bailey there. Yes, yeah, so how long are we, we looking and him being out of the preseason? Six to eight weeks. That's quite a long time. It is quite a long time, yeah. I mean, the, the good thing is he's already begun working through his rehab program. They've adjusted his load. They're doing everything immediately that they need to be doing to get him back. But um, it's unsurprising. Look, he's young. I think he's a 19-year-old. They're taking a conservative approach, and I think they can afford to. Uh, what What is disappointing is that, by all accounts, Bailey McDonald was having a great preseason. But he'll be given time. Yeah, it'll be Box Hill to begin with. Uh, speaking of harrowing off-seasons, though, of course, it doesn't get much worse than what happened with the coach. Well, I, I kind of enjoyed this story because Sammy's like, no, you don't you worry about me. You just head off on the day, explore New York, and uh, I'll see you when you get back. And uh, then it all got too much to me, collapsed. Yeah, the idea was to go with the family out to the 9-11 Memorial and Museum. And he, he sort of felt, look, I'm not up to this. I'm not in any condition to go, so I'll hang back at the hotel. Uh, took about four steps. That's it. He, he got that far from the table and then hit the ground. And imagine, imagine being like his family and seeing that. Oh. You'd be absolutely terrified, wouldn't you? You'd be like, what has just happened here? Which just underlines how important it was that Simo, Adam Simpson, who was, you know, he coached uh, Sammy during the three-peat. Yeah. So fantastic that and he, they, he they was in New York. They and, would have worked together as and, well. Yeah, and he offered to... Uh, 
assist with the children? Well, it's just miraculous that Adam Simpson was in New York at the same time and looked after the kids for a little bit while obviously Sammy's wife, Lyndall, had her hands full uh, with trying to do whatever she could for Sam and working Navigate out... Navigate the US medical system. Which, by all accounts, is amazing fun. Yeah. Uh, very straightforward. Well, they all pulled together. I mean, the, the club had the had uh, former board member Andrew Kay and, and, of course, our current board member, Marianne Palliser, uh, on the phone pretty quick. Yeah, Professor Andrew Kay is actually a neurologist uh, working in Israel at the moment. And then, yeah, Anne-Marie Pelletzer got on the phone as well. And everyone was rallying around him. But it seemed like, you know, Lyndall had to, like, really lead the charge here. Oh, like, yeah. w- without her being urgent about it and insistent that Sam was actually in desperate need of help, uh, it could have turned out a lot differently. Yeah, and it just shows how important it is to have a medico on the board. Well, yeah, absolutely. It worked out very well. They were really concerned, like, because obviously Lyndall's on the ground there asking for advice from people all over the world and being like, what should I be doing here? And they're saying, get the doctors to now, pay attention, but this is urgent. Read out the... It is a laundry list yeah. of... <laughs> stuff that was going on inside so, Sammy's lungs. Well, well, so they run tests and scans, CAT scans, x-rays, and they start to map how serious the situation is. And Mitchell ended up having influenza A, para-influenza, super-added bacterial pneumonia, a form of food poisoning, and a range of other infections, it says here. So I guess package all that together, broadly the diagnosis was simply pneumonia. And certainly that's what we here back yeah, home got at the time yeah. in terms of, well, what's happening with Sam? He's got pneumonia. Hmm. But it's a serious condition. Well, there was extensive collapsing of both of his lungs. Like he was in struggle town. It was a risk of, you And know, when you think about Sam, he's such a fit guy. Yeah. And he's just been laid low by this. Oh, he's been absolutely steamrolled by yeah. it. And everyone had to rally around him and help him fight his way back to a stable condition. He's now made a full recovery, thank goodness. So that's just over a month. Yeah, yeah. So obviously the the family they had to stay back, and the trip was extended. And I bet if he'd felt well enough, he would have done the old Pope and kissed the ground when he got back. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> uh, it sounds like a harrowing ordeal because obviously the the bit we haven't mentioned is he had his luggage stolen as well. Oh, that's a that's an incredible story because they tracked it. <laughs> what did they track it by? The AirPods. Yeah, that's right. It was sort of pinging the the location, and they ended up tracking it down. And the luggage was abandoned, I think. Yeah, in chucked into a bin. Yeah, and he found his passport in there as well. Apparently, they had no use for that. Anyway, all's well that ends well with Sam, and uh, he credited obviously doctors, Hawthorne board members, his kids, and especially his wife Lyndall, who played obviously a crucial role in well. Let's call it for what it is, saving his life. Because if, if that uh, if that goes in the direction it was going, then it, it's very nasty indeed. Yeah, I've been popped into an ambulance on a New York street myself. Have you? Yeah. What was that for? Not a great feeling. Bar brawl. <laughs> it was not a bar brawl. Uh, goodness gracious. But I tell you what, the ambulances are incredibly large. And uh, I was in a... I was waiting for the adjective there. I was like, what's he going to go with? No, they're, Large. they're massive. Okay, all and, right. Uh, and Not the, quick? The other thing was... Efficient? <laughs> I could have walked on, but uh, they insisted on using the stretcher. But anyway, on to the good stuff. What's been happening on the track? <laughs> Weakest segue of the episode. That's fine. We had a few killers earlier. 
<laughs> what has been happening on the track? Well, now that Sammy's back, uh, I'd say there's plenty that's happening on the track. It's in full swing now. Because last um, time we checked in, Harry Morrison had a blood nose. Yeah, that, that was a nasty incident. I wonder how he's going these days. I assume fine. He's back out there. He's training the house down, as it were. They're all uh, training the house down. Yeah, yeah. CJ went to Qatar, trained their houses down, and then came back. Did you watch all that? I did. What yeah. did you think? Oh, it's a very curious world that I really personally don't know much about, the the whole biomechanics of it and what what seemed to be some very kooky and quirky ways of of working out how the body works and bringing it back to its optimum functioning. It's very... How do people work this stuff out? I have no idea. Well, there's a whole line of people they tried it out on before him. <laughs> <laughs> and ain't that just the world in a nutshell, right? That's medicine, that's everything. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, it's not all trial and error, Nick, but uh, anyway, I'd CJ, a lot of this he's a is. lock for the wing, isn't he? Well, he is, yeah. He looks cherry ripe and, you know, what we're describing as a unique preseason, but uh, he's moving beautifully at the moment. I I, I don't know what I was thinking in you know, back at, back at December. I really thought, oh, it's going to be a long way back for him. Will we even see him in round one? Well, we didn't see almost any of him last year. Well, that's right. I wondered how, you know, the talk of... Well, he's going to go overseas to handle this. I thought, okay, well, this is serious and we're not going to see him for a while. But no, he looks great. And he he will be in the round one side at this rate. And I, I dare say he'll be on the win. And uh, apparently people are waking up to that wonderful debutante, kicked two goals and I forget how many possessions he had, but uh, Henry Hustwaite, apparently. Yep. We're just going to have to call him Pendles from now on. Oh, that's been peddled for a while. I remember that that got peddled by, well, I dare say, even us at the yeah. time that he was drafted. And now people are waking up to it. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, you know, we saw Lewis's comments today and talking about how uh, Hustwaite needs to get a bit of speed about his game. But in terms of disposal, like the sky's the limit there. It's fantastic. What they talk about is his spatial awareness and being yeah. able to hit targets that others or few others notice. Yeah, which was his, again, his draft profile. That is in the profile. Suggested that. Uh, that so it, he's handballing especially. He's going to be a steal. It does seem that way. I, I would love to see how he gets into the side. Uh, you know, Lewis is tipping that he does get into the side. You know, he flagged there's going to be maybe a few shocks for round one, and that could be one of them. Henry Hustwaite, don't sleep on that. Uh, going back to the wings, though, I suspect we're going to find Weddle on the other wing. I would say that's that's fairly likely. Uh, my theory is at this stage, it's CJ, Weddle, Amon and Impy doing a kind of rotation for the halfbacks and wings. Are we actually going to know, like, forget how they line up yep. for the bounce. Mm-hmm. Are we actually going to know who's the wingman or are they just going to take off down the wing? <laughs> that's a fair point. Because uh, that would be magnificent. I think there's going to be a lot of taking off down the wing, to be honest. I fully expect that. It's getting exciting in the way that that Sam's mapping how they want to play the football, how they want to attack. And Uh, one of the questions I wanted to bring today mm -hmm. was how are they going to manage Lewis and Chol? Because when I look at Lewis and his track record and how many games he plays a season, I don't see him as a forward that competes up the ground. Do you know what what I mean? Yeah, up no, to the, I do. Up to the it's, wing. That's a sensible lots rationale. Lots of running, that kind of stuff. I mean, we saw some magnificent goals. He can kick on the run. He's yep. quite mobile. Mm-hmm. But 
I'd prefer to have him as a stay-at-home forward and have Chol the one that roams up the ground, but I just don't think that's the way they're going to go. I think they invert that. And uh, I think, you know, sensible rationale you bring to the table, but I think they're going to go with Lewis um, moving up from centre-half forward, roaming up the ground a bit. Maybe they rotate it. Yeah. You know, we, how often do we see things stuck to, you know, positionally throughout a match? Well, Th- it, Things it, can change. You know, you look at Ramston, he might be very important if the roles are like that. Yeah, that's you've read my mind there. I think Ramston is going to be important in that respect. I think a lot of the run and gun style that we're talking about is going to be driven by the four guys that I mentioned before. There's going to be a lot of flexibility in terms of where exactly on the field they line up, whether it's wing or half back, but it's those four guys that are going to be the propulsion, basically. Do you know it would be great to have a target up the line that can take grabs like... Chol and, and Lewis can. Yeah. And also, even if they don't take it, we've got a good little fleet of tiny footballers. I think that's what the media are beginning to realise, is we're stacked for, for smaller threats at this stage. And there's good talent amongst them. Yeah, oh, absolutely. To, to the point where Dylan Moore isn't rating much of a mention these days. And it's like, well, that's a mistake because he's a bloody good player. Yeah, but then you look at guys like Butler... And he has put so much effort into his fitness and into his body yeah. that he keeps the other blokes pretty honest. Do you know I, what I mean? If well, they're not going to perform... Yeah. But that's the beauty of what we've got going on at the moment. He's jamming at the bit to get into the side. Oh, absolutely. And then there's guys like O'Sullivan, who would be desperate for a debut. Yeah. And at the moment, it's just in the queue going, how the bloody hell do I break in? i just got to work my ass off, I guess. Yeah. And we see some of the desperation and the vision from training. And it's really good to see. That competition for those small spots in the forward line is excellent. And then Hardwick is in the mix, as we said. It just makes it even tougher. Yeah. Did you have a a think about Morris when you saw Hardwick go forward? I did not. But now you bring it up, uh, it's a fair point. Yeah. Uh, Jai Sarong getting thrown in the deep end as a key position defender these days, which, you know, is asking a lot of him. He still ah, well, needs to build it, that strength in his body-on-body. Body. body. part of the Hawthorne Academy where they, exactly what you're saying, they just build the strength in the body-on-body body work? Well, we, we, So we he doesn't it. have to rely on timing yeah. and leads and uh, things? Bottom line is we need it uh, for the reasons I mentioned before about James Blank. Maybe he snaffles a spot at half-back or back pocket in the shuffle. Uh, I could see him gunning for a scrimmer's spot, personally. Come on. Well, you love scrim. Well, I do. I'm a big, and, I'm a big scrim mark. And he uh, stopped eating KFC and McDonald's, <laughs> and he's going to be fit this year. I've heard that was a miscommunication with uh, between the club and himself for for 2023. They were misaligned they were, in, in what, what they, their what he, what their expectations were for him in his prep and how he, he went about What did he see? Oh, we've gone with Burge, and he read, "Oh, we're going with burgers or something." We've gone with bold. <laughs> No, I'm not suggesting that he set about to pack it on or anything like well, that. How but is it a miscommunication? I'd have to they look were into obviously it. irate with the way that he, well, his his physicality. Well, he's year. he's confessed as much to that that he he wasn't in the condition that he was required to be in. But he looks fitter and stronger now. And even though we had the weights in the record, you know, we were none the wiser. <laughs> We're not getting onto that track. <laughs> uh, Scrim looks determined to make amends for an underwhelming 2023. It's great to see. You can see it reflected in his, his body as well. Uh, speaking of a guy that looks razor sharp, uh, Connor McDonald. Now, who is this bloke? Because I've been looking at the uh, 
you know, the guys put out a best 22 and things. And he, I've never heard of this yeah, McDonald does, fella. doesn't really mention, does he? What is, what's going on? Yeah, it's crazy. For like as much had- as we as we talk about the, the media talking us up and that's kind of lovely, that kind of feels nice. He's Mr. Invisible. Yeah, they haven't mentioned McDonald much at all. He's, uh, he does have that aspect to him where he's ever present, but he doesn't always touch the footy. Yes, yep. He looks um, dangerous. Yeah. And he's got class about him as well when he does get it. If there's going to be a guy that takes advantage of Day's absence, which could yet be like a month into the season, yep. Won't he be back for Geelong? That's round three. Possibly. Okay. Possibly. But, I mean, as I said, there's a guy that's going to take advantage of that. I reckon Connor McDonald, he slots into that, that midfield group very nicely at this stage. Okay. Well, we haven't seen a lot of Connor in the midfield. No, and that's why I think it's going to happen. I think I think it's time. I've been waiting for it. Anyone that's followed since he was drafted by Hawthorne to now, anyone who's listened to the podcast knows I've been hanging out for it, and I think it's starting to take shape. The- I have never seen your lower lip quiver more than when we were out at the VFL, <laughs> and he went into the midfield and was <laughs> and was shit house. Yeah, he was pretty. He bad. was terrible. Yeah, and, and the then s- the last quarter happened, and he won the game for. Box I was going to say, the and second- you were like. Tick. <laughs> Get him was, in the first. The second he was shuffled out of there, everything changed. So he looked a million bucks. <laughs> I put I thought, him on the outside of the pack rather than right yeah. in. Yeah. I, I think that's going to change. I, ironically, I think the competition he's got at the moment is Josh Ward. Yeah. Who arrived at the club around the same time. So, yeah, you know, battles all over the park, mate, because you, you can only have so many midfielders out there. And uh, No, no, no. They, they're just going to heap to- as much time as they can into Ward and McDonald. Yep. I have no doubt. But then you've got Hustwaite making his claim and Mackenzie. Mackenzie as well. Mackenzie. Yeah. yeah. He's bulked up. He's got a bit more muscle about him. No match for Marby or Chol, though. <laughs> that was good vision. I don't really see a problem with having Hustwaite in there, but I know who's coming out if Hustwaite's in. Go on. It's going to be your boy, isn't it? Yeah. It's going to be Nash. I would say so. I don't like that because I, I want Nash the enforcer in the mix. Well, we've got a question about our ideal midfield coming up, I think. Which oh, we'll... please, no. It's too hard. Uh, is it? It's not for me. Isn't it? No, nah, but we'll get to that later. I want to talk about Nick Watson. So is it all hype and no substance? Or Well, his shaping is every bit as enjoyable to watch as the hype has suggested. Uh, Andy Collins suggested that he's caught some of our more seasoned defenders off guard. <laughs> which Oh, this sounds delightful. Yeah, I quite like that, actually. Because if that's happening in the practice games, yeah, and not just on the G, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, it means you underestimate him at your own peril. Yeah, and I think a few well, opposition know, players are going to fall into that trap. We watched his highlights, and he does have tricks. He does. Yeah, he's got some great intensity about him as well. He's a terrier. Like he really fights and fights. And now we've got a few guys like that now. Kind of reminded me of what I see of um, O'Sullivan. Yeah, actually. He does similarly, and it's good to see. Uh, Watson not just being used around goals in match sim, sometimes being deployed in the midfield, he's been pushed up to the wing. Uh, Dylan Moore has found himself doing the same sort of thing, so they're trying a lot, Hawthorne. This is exactly what Clarko used to do. Mm -hmm. Everybody could play everywhere. Yep. At any time for the good of the side. Yep. Do Do they call it total football? We did. We I did. don't think okay. they did. Okay. But we went with total football all the time. They're like, nah, that sounds dumb. Let's call it something else. <laughs> total football comes from soccer. Oh, that's right. And uh, yeah, it was a it was a theme 
uh, used in soccer where basically you could change the matchup and it, it evolved the game very quickly then. One guy who has found a home definitively is probably uh, McCabe. I was about to say Luke McCabe. I'll be perfectly honest with you listeners. Uh, Will is making good on all highlights. He's cruising, gliding around, looks really great, using the ball very nicely. So very encouraging signs. I see some people suggesting round one. I'm not so sure. I don't have him in my best for round one. But anyway, um, I think there's a nice little duel going on between uh, Seamus and Massimo. Yeah, okay. Whether it's wing or half back, uh, I think they're both going to be duking it out with each other for, well, the whole season, perhaps. So neither of them are great lockdown defenders. No, no, they don't have that proven yet. But they'll have to. They'll have to bring that, otherwise well, they get found out. Well, I sort of thought of Seamus in the in the sense of being a Hardwick understudy. Yes. Hopefully. Yeah. And you know, may well that trajectory actually continue. But they're going to be in the queue like a lot of players. And I mentioned him before. O'Sullivan is another good example of a guy who's going to be battling. So what you're talking about here is there's there's a few spots that have huge internal pressure. Yeah. Which means yeah. that you're going to get, well, you're going to get consistent outcomes from the players who are selected because they'll be looking over their shoulder at the bloke that's keeping them honest. Yeah, I'd say, God, if I had to pick one position that didn't have that kind of pressure attached to it, it's probably blank. Probably blank at fullback. But that's... He, he's getting selected every week at this stage and there's just there's no one else at this stage. DGB, how's he going? He still looks the same, as far as I can tell. Looks incredibly light. Oh, I mean, he hasn't bulked up. No, no, not particularly. He, he look, he works hard, but forward or back? Well, that again is the question. I've seen him as a forward. Is the experiment continuing? No, I've seen him back as well. But you know, this is this is the time for experimentation. It's hard to get a read on exactly what they want to do with him. I think they would be foolish to put him forward. I think he needs to. If it's going to work out for him, it has to be a defender at Hawthorne. He definitely has the talent. Mm-hmm. Whether he's going to get the opportunity to show off that talent where he's best, yep. I don't know. But, you know, he did some nice things forward. This is something I'm likely to write in our season guide coming out if, soon. Listeners, you, have but you got DGV? I, I do have DGV. You yeah. lucky man. I mentioned before. I had him last year. I mentioned before how many games he'd played. Couldn't really tell you much beyond his first. Yeah, that was good, though. It was good and very memorable. And but then I, someone took him aside and never be that aggro again, and we didn't see it. Oh, we see it every now and again, but I just I struggle to remember. God, he looked good in that first game. He did. He did. I want to see games where I can say, you know, without DGB being an influence on that contest, and he was definitively an influence, we would have lost. I haven't been able to say that about him yet. Look, this this kind of thing is where you judge Sammy. Yeah. Because that that kid, top talent, can we see it? Time will tell. I don't think we're going to see it in round one of the seniors, personally. But, but not that Sammy can get the best out of every player, but no, in this case, no. you know, it seems to be right there below the surface. And maybe if he's got Chol and Lewis next to him, there's he gets just, that third defender. Yeah, there's no room. And that intensity that he brings. Because <laughs> you know that you're talking about bringing Hardwick forward because of his intensity. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, can't, you can't say that DGB isn't intense. Oh, I agree. I agree. Uh, I just, I'm just not sure there's room. Forward line is... Uh, like, I can't believe I'm saying Where the hell it's... does Gunners go? Oh, that's my point. 
that's my point. If Gunners isn't there, maybe DGV gets half a look, but then you've got Bruce, and then you've got everyone else that you need to fit in there. And how and tall then, do you want to play? And then later in the season, we'll have the button in the box for Willis Wingard, and that'll. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. You know, when we're pushing for finals, Nick, do you get up to 11 wins when we're sitting in the pub? Okay, we're, we're, you got that list? Got that list on you? Do we, do we want to go through that now? No, nah, I left it in questions? the car, mate. Left it in the car. All right, so what, you do, what you're going to do is basically sell me out and then move on. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, I had us losing, was it seven in a row? Uh, eight. Eight. Whoa. That's a hell of a drought, mate. And you had us winning nine games overall to my 11, which I admit, once you crunched the numbers and were like, you, you have us winning 11 games, I was like, okay. <laughs> that's a little too Maybe many. that's a little too many. But, you know, if that's how you feel about it, you just got to go with it because we're... You know, we don't. Ha- we haven't even seen them fire an angry shot yet. So, well, look, I, I thought I was quite even-handed. I mean, I had us. We, we played Geelong twice and Collingwood twice. Yeah, I had you us- did have one period in the middle of the year where we had five games and we won four of them. And the did only did one, I? And the only one we lost was against Geelong in Geelong. Well, I was going to say that I had us losing. I had us beating Geelong once and losing once, and Collingwood was the same. So, I felt fairly even-handed in that regard. But I don't know. Look, it's it's hard to predict, isn't it? McClure picked Carlton for the premiership tonight. Boring. So that's over. That's boring. <laughs> so easy. Oh, the 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 team that was just pipped at the prelim could win a premiership. But he didn't back GWS, did he? How much of GWS last year was just pure momentum? And can they make it back there? Yes. This is a, a side just awash with talent. It's just... Don't get me wrong. What do you I... think happens with Gold Coast? That's the watch. Yeah, very true. And don't get me wrong, I I do have GWS getting deep into finals. I have predicted that. But anyway. Yeah, well, I uh, didn't expect you to have St Kilda as high as you did. Talking absolute nonsense yet again. <laughs> uh, Gunston, looking vintage, kicking five goals in intra-club. It's interesting, though, my attitudes around intra-clubs, because I saw this today, uh, an article was posted online about Collingwood looking ominous. And it's like, yeah, against Collingwood. So... <laughs> Their defence is awful. Like, they might look great, but against two, No one. <laughs> so, when I think about Gunston kicking five goals, I'm like, on who? Like, who's who's letting the team down? Maybe that's a, a cup half full, cup half empty sort of thing. Yeah. It's just a matter of perspective. No, there was a few years ago where someone kicked a big bag in a preseason game, and then we did find out who they were playing on. Remember that? Vaguely, yeah, that was. Uh... Was it Tim O'Brien who kicked like seven or something? Yep. <laughs> Do you remember who he was playing on? No, no, I don't remember who he was playing. I think on. you've shirked it personally. <laughs> I think you do know, and you won't say. Uh, and the last note we have here is that Ginnivan looks uh, fit and ready to go, as he bloody well should be. <laughs> Lewis commented that he, he looks bigger and more muscular than he thought. So Ginevan arrives at the club and Lewis is like, oh, all right, jeez, okay. He's not as small as Lewis once thought. Interesting. Interesting yeah. thing to say. And also... He's a little bit open, Lewis, isn't he? Yeah, I no, he's, at he's, the good, AGM, he's good value. He, uh, at the AGM, he just spoke very freely. Uh, I went to uh, a function with um, the guests were him and Dylan Moore, mm. and they were great. Excellent value, because they're both very open and fun and, yeah... Uh, the other thing, I think it's not just Lewis, but Ginevan, his reputation around the club is he's not as chatty as you might think. Well, he's a little quieter than people expected that he'd be. Wait till game day. That would be my advice. Yep. I think that's fair enough. 
<laughs> think there's definitely <laughs> blokes that leave it for game day. Did you see uh, there was vision of the of the intra club that the, the club posted where Gidevin got taken high and had a shot for goal? <laughs> you could just see all the Hawthorne players going, oh. Yeah. Well, he's one of us now. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's okay. Anyway, mate, we should move on to some miscellaneous listener questions. This first one from Andrew. When you were in the land, this one's for me, when you were in the land of Maple and Mounties, how did you watch Hawks games? VHS, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I got them mailed over <laughs> in the end. Uh, no, I look, that was about seven years ago now. Just, oh, my God. I've just forgotten what that service was where you could call in and, and request Name a game. Name a game. Name there a game. it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I haven't thought about that in years. I know. I could see the ad and I couldn't yeah, see that. Yeah, absolutely. No, uh, I, how did I do it? I Look, I don't think Co was a thing back then. I don't think AFL Live passed. You pirated passed, or, it. There were websites. There there was the very real risk of viruses and many pop-ups. You uh, should have just done a VPN and pretended you were in Victoria. I, I don't even know how those work. Hey, but, did you see Gil McLaughlin's now going to be doing the racing? Has he even left AFL yet? Is he, is he done? I think that finally happened. Oh, it did happen, did it? Maybe. I think it's telling that <laughs> I can't check. quite be sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So, Andrew, I'm not very much help because I can't remember the websites, but... Oh, they would have all changed by now. The, the landscape's changed. But, look, if it's anything like it was, there are websites, but they do carry a big risk of infecting your computer. So be careful with that. Uh, I or think- use someone else's. Well, I was going to say, if if it's, if it's that important to you, you might have to just shell out the money. Just do it the proper way. It's it's not worth the hassle the other way. Uh, this one from Fusa at Hawk Talk Pod. How can the club propel itself back into the big four clubs? Many kids would have jumped on board during the three-peat era. We need more bums in seats. We need more MCG. We need to take this chance with the list to break 100,000 members and consistently 60K plus games. We need to think big. This is one for uh, the marketing department. Do you think so? I don't think it is. I think it's greatly overstated. doesn't matter how good the wrapping is on Christmas Day. If you open it up and it's a shit gift and they're not winning. Yeah. But this year, they're going to be playing a style of football that is entertaining. Well, It doesn't matter if they lose, if the style's good. I want to tap into something that, that Corns actually did remarkably. Uh, linked back to his comments that were about two years old about him saying, oh, look, if you're a Hawthorne fan, who do you get? Uh, who, whose Guernsey do you get? Are there any superstars at all at this club? And he remarks he wouldn't even get Sicily at the time, which is ridiculous. But nowadays, I really do think in terms of getting attendance, it's going to be guys like Watson and Gitterman. Like We've got... I must say, I loved that they've started recruiting personality. Yeah, we've got box office players. We've got exciting players. And and I think you're right. To your point, I think we do uh, play an exciting brand of footy that's going to be even sharper this year. I, I think it will happen organically. There'll be an uptick. And if it results in us winning, then that, that's where the biggest uptick will come. But being Hawthorne supporters, you'll never find your mates going, hey, listen, can you take me to a Hawks game? Because they're just so bloody jealous. Well, we do rub people's noses in the fact that we've been That's so successful. That's why this summer is so strange, that they're excited that we're good again. Yeah, the worm has turned on that one. It feels very weird indeed. This question from Paddo. How many games is too many for Gunston and Bruce this year? I sort of think if they get more than 30 between them, we have a problem, Houston, given the other talent we need to squeeze in. Yep. Delicate uh, balancing act. We want to see Bruce get uh, 17 games, is it? 
Yeah, it's around that mark. I was going to say 19, but I'm not sure. Well, that's high. Here's a question for you. Obviously, no games played this year. Do you have Bruce playing in 2025? Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm the same. I don't think his game is based on speed. So he's one of those players that very lucky to be that way. I've seen nothing in his game that suggests strongly to me that time is running out on him. The other thing is, as he ages, if these guys get bigger and they take the better opponent, yeah, there'll be days where he gets <laughs> the new kid. Yeah, that's right. And if we saw burgers do it a couple of times. <laughs> I just make them look like they're a new foal out on Mate, wandered onto the G. Br- Bruce, even last year on his day, can kick five. Yeah. That still happens. I think he kicked six against the Saints, didn't he, when we were getting... Did he kick six that day? Yeah, we lost pretty badly, but... Oh, that one. Yeah. yeah. And even against Port, was I think he kicked five, and we lost pretty badly yeah, on that day as well. five of the seven or whatever we kicked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. No, but that, that was... Look, he's a champion, and I don't think there'd be a point... Oh, well, there'd have to be a point, but you've got to be forced out of the lineup as a champion, and it takes a lot to get them out. And if yeah. if he is, the one I'd be concerned about, and I think the main point of the question is Gunston. Yeah, yeah, that's more of an unknown, I would say. Because he had a very forgettable year at Brisbane. Mm-hmm. But still hit the scoreboard. I think people overlook that. Yeah, but it's Gunston. Yeah, I, he wasn't quite the gun recruit that people like had he, hoped. No, but his, like his bar is yeah. very high. yeah. Look, they'd be, be done happy. But. How many games do they play? Well, that, that's a confluence of factors. I mean, that, that's up to them. It's up to the people. It's up to their teammates to push them out. But Pato's right. I mean, if you're seeing a player there yep. and he's not quite at the top of his game and he's getting a little bit older and no one's pushing him out of the lineup. Oh, it's a problem. Then that is definitely a red flag. Yeah. So he's absolutely correct in, in, his, in his assertion in the question. Aiden W, who is noticeably stronger this preseason? I don't know. Have you been doing the weight room checks? <laughs> uh, I like the look of Cam McKenzie. There was pictures of Josh Ward that I saw where I was like, okay, no, nah, he's definitely changed a lot. <laughs> he looks very strong. Uh, Will Day has changed a lot. Obviously, he's not out there at the moment doing stuff. But, yeah, no, I, I think I, I don't want to get the, the, the syndrome that the media's on at the moment with Hawthorne, with but they all look very good. Peter Burge is having an effect. He, he definitely is. He is. is, yeah. Need to um, salute Burge for that, for sure. I've noticed that their cores look a lot better. Mm-hmm. Their ability to uh, maintain a tackle, even though they're tackling other Hawks, which you know has been a problem breaking tackles for us, but yes. they're tackling oh, better. And uh, and also, they look strong. Well, the stronger through the core means you will break tackles. Mm. As well, so either way, you know, it's just um, they're going to be playing a game where they're going to be wearing out their opposition week after week because they're looking to speed mm. to get to the scoring and they're looking to defend through numbers. Mm. So as we get into the late stage of the season, I will, you know, last year we expected it to happen, but we ne- we didn't fall off then either. This question is from Pado. Another one from Pado. Is Dylan Moore part of our best 22 by the end of the year? And if so, does that mean our recruits are stuffed? Uh, no. Well, Dylan Moore's a leader at the club, so he will be part of the best 22 at the end of the year. But if they do manage to force him out, 
Huge tick to the group. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to say, because he's a leader, it doesn't make him invulnerable. But um, look, if that is the result, then something has gone tremendously right for the group coming through. And I dare say Moore's taken a backward step, which would make it disappointing for him. Isn't he just consolidating? How do you mean? Well, you know, you reach a new level, you have to stay at that level, make sure you can maintain that level before you go to the next one. Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, look, he he would be setting the standards for those guys that threaten his spot. He's kind of making a rod for his own back if he's doing his job well. As is Bruce. Yeah, that's right, yes. Think about Watson, think about Butler, O'Sullivan, guys like that are all getting the tutelage to be able to take their jobs, basically. It's like an exam and, and you know, you're doing it with a mate and he wants a couple of answers and you're just enough. <laughs> That's right. So yeah. you can beat him. Yeah, you still got to play as a team. You still got to work together. But I'm sure as individuals, they're kind of thinking, yeah, but you can't be, you can't be too I good. I won't tell him that tactic. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know how much of that goes on. Anyway, this question from Christian. Why is the family day at Waverley? Yet again, Glen Ferry is ignored and becomes nothing to us. By the way, family day is on Saturday, Feb 17. I don't know. There must be huge costs with Glen Ferry, is there? Uh, yes, and I would dare say uh, it's not suitable at the moment. Uh, I found a thing uh, online, the Glenferry Oval Precinct Revitalisation Project. I'd encourage people to Google that if they would like what to. What are they doing? Relaying the turf? Stand, reconstruction. Or, stand? Yeah, they're, they're doing up to the... To watch what? They're doing up the, the Michael Tuck stand. Are they? Yeah. There's a huge amount going on at Glenferry. Okay. But also, logistically, if you could avoid transporting all of your merch to an off-site location... Like you do every week. But you don't need to this time. the footy season. You have all the resources you need. You just chuck it in the truck that you usually take to the game. You have all the resources you need at Waverley. You don't need to travel. And you know that people are going to come to you. Mate, we're leaving Waverley. We're going to Dingley. No, I understand that. So why... Glen Ferry is not suitable at the moment anyway. I guarantee it. But I, I, for one, think there should definitely be presence in Glen Ferry. I'm not arguing yes or no to that. For the record, I agree with you. I think that argument is that's besides the point. They're not going there at the if moment. If they maintain because... a presence in Waverley after they've moved to Dingley, hmm. that would be insanity. Yes, I agree. So yeah. they should start to manoeuvre themselves back into the Glenferry set. Well, I, again, Google it. Glenferry Oval Precinct Revitalisation. There seems like there's a ton going on there. And without even looking in depth into it, I just I, I, could, I can see why they would avoid it at the moment because there's not much going on there besides doing it up. Reese says, how many games do you think Max Ramson will play this season? And I would say the aim would be 10. You read my mind. I think 10. Yeah. Well, to be honest, I was going to say 5 to 10. Right. But uh, that's exactly what I would want to see. And uh, I'm looking forward to the VFL too. Box Hill had some wonderful moments in 2023. The question is, they've sort of been they've been hovering for a while where they're, they're really good. But over the last couple of seasons, it's just a case of, yeah, but not good enough. They're just, they're, they're sort of It's hovering. been the defence for me that's been the problem. Yeah, I'd agree with that. There's a lot to like every other part of the ground, but defence is a bit suspect. A couple of recruits to defence that look good. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, no, but it'll be great fun heading down to Box Hill. 
Whose spot is Ramson pinching? Don't know, I don't care. I don't think your mate Lewis plays every game. <sighs> Chol won't either. I was going to say, I probably have Ramston coming in for Chol. Yeah. At times. Neither of them are proven key forwards. Okay? No. So they're going to have to rotate. Rhiannon asks, which match are you most looking forward to in 2024? I don't know. Probably the prelim. <laughs> uh, it's gather round for me. Oh, is it? Yeah, the precursor to the prelim. <laughs> we'll meet, meet Collingwood three times yeah, in the one year. Okay. <laughs> wow. I tell you what. I genuinely want to go down to Geelong. Yeah, no, I'm up for that. Yeah. yeah, that's what I want to do. I've never seen a game there, have you? Me either. Okay, well, that'll be a first for the podcast as well. Uh, yeah, but seriously though, uh, gather round for me because it was a fantastic experience uh, last year and look, I... I Might be able to get some elevation this year to be able to see the other end of the ground. Yeah, amazing, right? So <laughs> we're at Adelaide Oval this year. Our chances of winning are greatly have diminished. Have you booked the hill? <laughs> Like we booked a four-game pass, and I thought, oh, I wonder how that works. And then I learned you have different seats for every game. Oh. So we're going to be... I thought Adelaide would have made sure you didn't leave. You just had to stay in the ground for all that period. No, we're going to be darting all over the place at Adelaide Oval. It's a four-game four or four-day pass to to the stadium, and we have different seats for every game. we get a Melbourne game? game? I think one of them might be, yeah, from memory. I think it's a... Is it Adelaide, Melbourne, Friday night? I can't remember. Do we have tickets? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We, we, That'll be good. Yeah, we have four days at Adelaide Oval. <laughs> you can't wipe the grin off your face. I think Adelaide will knock them off. I'll tell yeah, you that right now. For absolutely. sure. And it'll be an umpiring decision right now. <laughs> in the last right minute. That's what you were about to say. <laughs> Oh, dear. Uh, Scamasaurus, who will kick more goals by year's end? Bruce, Hardwick, Guinea, or Watson? Guinea. Yeah, I'm going Guinea. We going with Guinea Pig there? Or just Papa? I would have thought that given he's a new recruit, just Papa, new Guinea. That's amazing. I did not get the <laughs> geographical <laughs> reference before. There you go. Papa will do. <laughs> yeah, I would say Guinea, Bruce, Watson, Hardwick. If I had to predict what the rankings are going to be in goals So scored. you're saying Sammy hits the panic button. <laughs> oh, no, I don't know. It's just that we haven't seen much of Hardwick forward. Why would I gamble on that? <laughs> I guess we haven't seen any of Watson forward, have we? It's so... not gambling, it's wagering. Now, um... <laughs> Thanks. You're part of the just joined the Giants PR team, did you? Damage control. Responsible wagering. Dear, oh dear. You know you're in trouble when the North Melbourne social team are giving it to you. <laughs> it's a rare W for them. <laughs> But it's so ridiculous because, like, a whole of the AFL is sponsored by I don't know which one it'll be this year because they're always outbidding each other. Points bet or crown bet or I'm just lad gonna, brokes or whoever. I'll make one up. Ultra bet. There you go. It probably exists, but I don't I don't know of it, so I've just made it up. Fair enough. But yeah, so so Tab have sponsored with Tab T A B have sponsored with um, the Giants. That was the new story, listeners. If you weren't across that, that's you get one. better odds now. I have no idea what the what that's going to mean for the club or what they're what they're planning. But anyway, uh, Zaveb underscore twenty six eyes when, on the prize. When do you think we'll return to finals? Twenty twenty five for me. Yeah. All right, we're agreed. Moving on. Loz asks, "What would be a pass mark in terms of wins this season?" I'm thinking seven to ten. Well, that 
That would be a pass mark for me, but you, of course, had I've 11. one better. <laughs> 11. Wowee. No, for, for real, though, 7 to 10. Yeah. I mean, look, I'd be hoping for more than 7. It wasn't, wasn't that what we accomplished last year? Yep, 7. Yeah, okay. So I'd, I'd personally be disappointed if we won the exact same this year. I feel like we're in a better position to win more than that. 10 is the high end of the scale there, and yes, I've conceded that 11 is nuts. So, so you know how young teams, before they get really good, mm-hmm. have that year where they're terrible? Have we not had that yet? No. Oh, no. <laughs> Damn it. We haven't, have we? Oh, maybe. Last year was fairly terrible. Yeah, we, we've kind of been... But we moved out a whole lot of talent again. No, no, maybe I'm just impatient. Uh, Harrison asks, who's your pick for most improved player in 2024? And who are you most excited to see play their first game? Well, I'll answer the last one first. Uh, Watson. Yeah, no, that's that's fair enough. But I'd go with McCabe because I think you can structure premiership around McCabe. Oh, it's good logic that I don't mind that at all. Who's going to be most, most improved? improved uh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's tough. I'm just going to go for a guy that we mentioned before and say Hustwaite. You don't think Weddle can be most improved? Uh, well, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I changed mine to Weddle in that case. Because to, to, to say that he's not in that category means that, nah, he's arrived at his ceiling for now. And oh, I just don't think that's true. No, I don't even think he can see the ceiling. No. Uh, this one from Ben. Where does Mass fit into the 23? Well, he's probably in the queue for wing or half back there, I'd say. He's, he's not best 23 at this stage. No, he's not. There's just too much talent squeezing him out. No, but he's so new to the club. It'd be very difficult to... To have him playing against his old mob in round one, wouldn't it? So they'll give him a, a little while mm-hmm. in the twos. Ooh, Pridgey asks, how long do you think it will take for the forward line to gel? I think ten rounds. It's usually about six or seven. Yeah, I was going to say seven. But he's right. There's a bit. Of, there's a lot of change there. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that it gels immediately, as maybe some people are hoping. But it is very exciting. I grant people the optimism. All right, James wants our, wants our starting back six. So at fullback, you've got blank. Mm-hmm. I mean, we would ordinarily have Hardwick. That's right. Yeah. But you've got Frost in one back pocket. And I was going to say Frost is a bit of the forgotten man because he missed so much last year. And then Sicily in the other, is it, or is he at centre half back, or? Usually when I'm doing this, I do have him positioned at centre-half back, yeah. Okay. So who's taking the other pocket? Scrimmer. Oh, that's not bad. Don't mind that. Then you got Impey. Yep, and Amon. And Amon. Positional change for him. He's been played at half-back, so I'm going to... I don't love that. I'd prefer him on the wing, but I'm going to follow the intel and suggest that he lines up at half-back. But then again, I, I said earlier in the show that he's going to rotate off there anyway. So. But the defensive ability of Amon isn't proven. No, not so much. So no. All right. Well, we'll go with Amon, but I would have probably had Weddle. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, because well, he can swing across and take a mark for us. I, I like the sound of that. Uh, for the most part, uh, Bradley asks, "How do we fit Bruce, Ginnivan, Watson, Moore, Hardwick, and McDonald every week?" We are. We're going to somehow. <laughs> it's going to be tough. Well, McDonald goes to the midfield circuit, mm-hmm. and Watson. Is an interchange. For the time being, yeah. Yeah. More, what are we doing with him? Like, I'm starting to think maybe more is disappointing if they're moving Hardwick forward. Maybe, maybe. Look, that's a really difficult thing to shuffle, that forward line. 
there's going to be some guys that you want to see in the side that you might not get to for a while. So last question here, Campbell, what is your ideal midfield rotation? Here's the question we flagged earlier on the show that we'll get to now. Do we get Weddle to have a run in the middle, Campbell asks as well. What's my ideal midfield rotation? I flagged it. I'm going to say that it's Reeves as Ruckman. It's going to be Day, Newcomb, Nash. <laughs> and who are you, Wingman? Weddle and GF. Wow. God, that's attacking. Mm, that's the point. Uh, who's missing in all of this, do you reckon? He hasn't been mentioned once this podcast. He's usually part of that midfield group. Oh, you haven't warpedoed his career, have you? No, no, I haven't. But it's a problem. Is it? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I've been doing the best 23 for our season guide and Warple's on the bench because I couldn't in good conscience leave him out completely. I didn't want to do that. He's too good. But it's interesting. He's not a, not a guy I think of too much at the moment. But look, he's not a bad player. No, not at all. Not at all. I, I suppose I'm just excited by other players. That's it. It's not a knock on him. See, the most important thing this year is if they're all buying into Sammy's message. Yeah. As normal. But is the talent there yet? Is the experience there yet? I would say it's more there than when Mitchell said, what, he had 90% of the players already at his disposal. <laughs> that was the next tilt. Yeah. I think that's baloney. And I think it's perhaps more accurate now that that's the case. So... You remember Gunston had a very... Well, he had a very good year mm-hmm. in 2022. Mm-hmm. Delivered at least three wins to the board. Yes. So he could have a big impact if he's if he's up to it. Well, I, I want to ask you about your ideal midfield rotation. Is it much different than mine? Um, no, it's not, but I wouldn't have had Reeves. Okay. Who's your ruck? Meek. Chol. Chol. Okay. Yeah, because I only want one recognised Ruckman. And mm-hmm. I think Chol has the ability to... Well, I mean, we're looking at all-out attack this year. I'm not sure we're too focused on defence. and Yeah, it could be a problem, but we'll see. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think Chol and the Ruck could be fabulous. To watch, even. I think it would be. I wonder if he's up to the mantle of the number one he's Ruck. Not, but that's what I want to see. <laughs> okay, fair enough. We approach the question differently. Mate, we've got to start wrapping up. This has been a bumper first episode back. How long have we been going? Because it just very fat, long. felt like we sat down on the couch and just had a... Yeah, I'm dreading the edit, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's how long. I can't, uh... I can't see from where we are the, the time code, but <laughs> yep. I think it's been a big one. And no, I, hope the, I hope the listeners enjoyed it because it's been a little bit of time between podcasts, so we had a lot to say. What did you spend summer on? PlayStation. Oh, <laughs> did you? <laughs> Nintendo Switch, Tears of the Kingdom. I tell you what. I don't know. What do you mean? Well, when I when I uh, got some time to myself and and it wasn't wasn't out in the water, I was picking up uh, books about the NFL and mm. and sports psychology and and stuff like that and mm. trying to see what the next steps are for this for this bunch of hawkers. I was gonna say next you'll tell me you headed over to the US, you went to NFL games, NBA games, you chatted to coaches, you met Ange Postacoglu. Well, <laughs> well when I when I was reading about um GWS wanna play a game in California or something. That's right, yeah. I was thinking, geez, we're getting pretty close to this NFL and, stuff. And also you really want Hawthorne to play a game in LA, don't you? Well, Hawaii, I said. 
Did you? Yeah, I wanted okay. to have a little spin off the Hawaii Hawks. Yeah, okay, I like that. It's the alliteration <laughs> for me. Hawaiian Hawks. But yeah, I'm just looking at I was looking at the new administration that's coming to AFL House and thinking how are they gonna build this game again? You asked me what I did. I, I actually put out a bonus episode. Oh it's yeah. A bit yeah. of a reading These from uh, yeah, Dermy's hundred and one favourite football stories. People loved it. Yeah, I had to cherry pick them because some of them are just absolute rubbish. So I think I, <laughs> I think I picked the cream of the crop. And Real now I'll just, filler. I'll put that book aside now. Uh, I is that done? I reckon that's done. Yeah, oh look, our, our library's extensive, mate. We've got plenty of other books. Oh, to we go. can pick and choose. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't need to go back to that that uh, well. Remember that F we did on the rat? Yes, that was absolutely. Fun. Anyway, speaking of Patreon stuff, Patreon is where you can find that episode. It's where you want to head if you'd like to support the content we create. A big thanks to our proud, passionate, paid-up subscribers who have thrown their support behind the show. It's you guys that play a major role in helping us put this podcast out and put time into it. Uh, there's going to be some more bonus content coming your way, subscribers, uh, including more of that audiobook series that we were just referring to there. Uh, a sneak peek at what we've got planned for our season guide. So if you want access to that, an entire archive of bonus stuff as well, and to support us in the process, head to patreon.com slash hawktalkpod. Uh, of course, we're all over social media as well. We've got you covered for Hawks content via our social channels as we count down to round one. Follow us on X at Hawk Talk Pod. You can also find us on Facebook. Our Hawthorne family there is growing every day. It's great to see. Uh, Facebook.com slash Hawk Talk Pod is where to find that. We're also on Instagram. And uh, of course, if you dig what we do here on the Hawk Talk Podcast, we'd love for you to spread the word about the show and get some more Hawks fans on board in the process. One way to do that, of course, is to leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, like so many listeners have done already, and we really appreciate that. I think it'll be a fun year. I don't know what to expect from a young group, but... Do you have us winning round one? I think I did, yeah. The only reservation I had was the mistaken apprehension that... We usually lose. Yeah, that we're terrible at round one, which is just simply not the case. I went through. You (laughs) proved me wrong immediately, and I don't know where that thought came from. Because we lost to Essendon that damn time. Yeah, I guess it scarred me more than I thought. It does, doesn't it? Yep. So you set me straight on that one. I said, no, all right, we're winning. (laughs) Round one, here we come. No, but seriously, I'm very excited for the season, and uh, plenty more Hawk Talk podcasts to come, mate. We've got our... Our uh, pre-season coverage is going to be rolling on. We'll get our season guide to do. That'll be released at the start of March. And I think we're coming up to about 30 days now. It is all happening. We'll be right there with you every step of the way. Thank you for joining us. We are a happy team at Hawthorne.